week one, we light the candle of hope. It is an unshakable confidence that God can be trusted. Romans 8 assures us that God is always working for our good. Promises that are true, even when we have to wait for them, are fulfilled. Wait for their fulfillment, excuse me. But we put our trust in God. We can wait patiently, hopefully, and with the knowledge that God is there to provide the light we seek, we help, the help we need, and the deliverance we long for. Psalms 80, verses 1 through 7, and 17 through 18. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth. In the sight of Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come and rescue us. Restore us again, O God, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be delivered. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears and have given them tears to drink in great measure. You make us contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us again, O God of hosts, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be delivered. That your hand be upon the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. So we will not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. Mark thirteen twenty four through 27 But in those days, after that distress, the sun will darken, and the moon will not give her light, and the stars of heaven will fail, and the powers that are in heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with, the power, with great power and glory, when he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the furthest part of the earth to the furthest part of heaven. In Romans thirteen ten through 12, Love works no evil to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Furthermore, knowing the time, now is the moment to awake from sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us take off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Good morning, my name is Becky, and I'm going to read our scripture today. It's out of Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asks the angel, how can this be, since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, 
where she entered Zechariah's house and was greeted uh, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, You are the most blessed of women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby uh, leaped for joy inside me. She who has believed is blessed because of what was spoken to her by the Lord will be fulfilled. And Mary said, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is Holy His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty because of their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy." just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months. Then she returned to her home. Thank you, Becky. I'm going to come on down here. I thought it would be uh, kind of uh, helpful for us to have a pregnant lady read the passage about two pregnant ladies. Um, Would you pray? Let's just pray really quick. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would give us a new appreciation for a passage that many, many of us have revisited several times throughout the many years we've been alive. But God, I pray that you would give us a new depth of appreciation for what it is that Mary went through, what it was that Elizabeth went through, that Lord Jesus, that you would teach us an appreciation for who you are as you came into this earth Lord, would you bless us as we pursue uh, your truths out of this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, uh, I got a story for you as we jump into uh, this incredible story of two pregnant women uh, coming together. But we, uh, it was a few years ago now, it was about eight or so years, more than that, eight, uh, eight years and nine months or so, um, that Becky and I found out that we were having twins, and uh, I just want to share the story with you a little bit about how we found out because it was uh, kind of shocking, as many of you could imagine. We, we had volunteered, uh, there was a, a, it was called Legacy Pregnancy Center in, in Sheridan, um, and they're equivalent to, I think, Abba's house here. Uh, they offered crisis pregnancy help uh, or unexpected pregnancy um, help for young ladies and unexpected. And they were asking for uh, some volunteers who were pregnant to come in because they had just gotten an ultrasound machine. Well, Becky and I had just found out that, that we were pregnant and that, that, that we were going to be able to be volunteers. So 
Um, we go in, and I remember there's this wonderful lady, her name is Mike, and she takes us in, and, and they had to, because it was a new system, we're doing this ultrasound uh, to get a picture of the, of the baby, and I'll just remember we go into this small room, and we're sitting in there, and there's like this degree of expectation in the room, you know what I'm saying? There's this moment of expectation and uh, we had the, there was another lady who had to supervise again, because this was new. Her name uh, was Catherine and she was sitting in the room with us. And this is, this is going to come into the story, really a very important part of the story here in a minute. So we're sitting there and Mike is doing the ultrasound and she just goes, Oh, there's a beautiful baby right there. And everybody goes, Oh, everybody say that with me. Oh, beautiful baby. And she goes, Oh, and just pauses. And oh, when you're getting an ultrasound, feels like an eternity, doesn't it? And she goes, oh. And we sit there, and Becky's looking at me. I'm looking at Becky. We're like, what is it? Worst case scenario, something's wrong. You know, we're thinking sickness, disease. You know, what, what on earth could it be? She goes, oh, there's another one in there. And at this moment, as my jaw fell to the ground, Becky looks at me and shouts out, what have you done to me? <laughs> and it was at that moment that we hear in the corner this cackling laughter from the Catherine, the gal, and, the, and it was just this like one of those more bizarre moments in life. But I'll never forget those first words, what have you done to me? <laughs> That's how we found out. But even though we knew that we were expecting far more than we originally had thought, I remember going from that appointment and we just sat in the car and like, it was just silence. It's like the sound of silence at that moment, right? It was just like, she'd look at me, I'd look at her like, oh, what do you even say, right? You just sit in the shock of that moment. We still had a long ways to go before we got to hold those two babies in our arms. We still had months of pregnancy to get through uh, together. I say us, but I mean, Becky had most of the work to do, right? Ladies, amen to that. Well, this passage that we're looking at, even though Mary found out who she was carrying, and as you can imagine, the amount of expectation that she had before her, she had to sit with that expectation for another nine months. Can you imagine that in-between moment, that expectation, I'm carrying my Lord? What is going on? We're going to try to jump into the mindset of a pregnant woman. And as I do this, before we, we jump in completely, I just want to acknowledge that as we begin to talk about pregnancy, it's for many a, rejoice, a rejoicing, a, a really fun topic. But for some of us, it, it causes some pain, doesn't it? Um, and, and I just want to, I want to be with you, those of you who have experienced some of that loss. Becky and I lost two. And so we know and have experienced the kind of loss when you lose a pregnancy. And so we're with you, um, and there are passages in Scripture that meet you in that loss and meet you in that pain. So I want you to hear we weep with you, but this passage, would you join us as we, as we talk about rejoicing in the anticipation of what God is going to do in human history? Um, the theme that we're, we're going with is called All Natural Miraculous Christmas, 100% all natural. You guys ever seen that before? 
100% all natural. Now, we're in a farming community. We actually know what all natural really is. But there's this crazy principle throughout Scripture that God can always typically do something explosive and miraculous and incredible, and he doesn't have to work within the means of regular people, but he decides more often than not throughout the history of Scripture to use regular people in their natural setting and in their natural rhythms of life. And oftentimes that is how he brings about his miracles. And we see that here. We see an all natural, this is a a pregnancy. Why didn't uh, God at any moment could have just come down into human history, right? And dumbfounded all of us. Why then did he choose to come down through the natural rhythms of human life, which means pregnancy, nine months of waiting, and a birth? It's fascinating, isn't it? So this all-natural, miraculous Christmas should encourage us. The big idea, the big takeaway is if we're doing a natural life, it has a deep meaning because God chooses to use the natural rhythms of life, natural and regular or organic. Some of you have maybe heard that term, organic people, (laughs) to bring about miraculous things. And in this case, his entrance into human history. Uh, let's see, let's continue on. So we have two, two women that come together in, in this passage. Um, I want you to think about this idea. Another theme that we see throughout all of Scripture is this idea that uh, there's an anticipation, there's a longing, there's birth pains actually happening for the whole earth. Have you ever seen some of these passages that talk about all of the earth is longing Right is longing for this. This there's this anticipation we have in in uh, Matthew twenty four six through eight. It talks about it, that that all of creation is in the beginning of birth pains. That we're in the last days or the beginning of birth pains. It uses all of this idea of pregnancy and anticipation to show us that Jesus is coming again someday. So Jesus's birth now is foreshadowing all of creation. Think about that, that there's this idea that throughout all of Scripture, all of creation is longing for something, this birth, this new life in God. He's going to bring about. So there's a pregnancy of anticipation in all of creation, in all of us, and in our hearts. Something is coming that we might have to wait for. So with that, I want to put us in the mindset of a... uh, of a pregnant lady. I see some of you guys. So there's this internet phenomenon, right? Of uh, they, they call them uh, empathy bellies. And therefore, guys, to, to get a sense for what ladies go through uh, when they're pregnant. And there's all these videos of these dads that are like trying to get into, trying to show that their wives that they empathize with their wives. And uh, it, it, hilarity ensues. As you can imagine, ladies, guys trying to go through some of the things um, that you have to in pregnancy. And so we're going to try to put ourselves in the mindset of of these two pregnant women. And we're going to start with this idea of being favored. When God comes to Mary, he says that she is greatly favored, greatly favored. Look at verse 28. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. I want you to think about this idea in the moment. As Mary, what was her response in the following verse? Did she feel favored? (laughs) 
She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be, right? In that moment, did she feel greatly favored? Probably not. Maybe a little more along the lines of really surprised. See, I think many of us don't understand the level of this idea that we are favored. But see, what we can learn from Mary is that being favored isn't always what you think it is, okay? Being favored by God isn't always what you think it is. Sometimes being favored by God can lead to some of our greatest woes, some of our greatest like hurts in life. Um, I think about Mary in this. Uh, She was instantly probably thinking about the unknown details. How are people going to respond to this idea of somebody who's not fully married being pregnant already? Can you imagine the scandal and the conversations that would ensue? Isn't it interesting that God chose to bring, uh, to step into this uh, through, man, a messy situation, From the outside looking in, he uses a messy, normal, natural human situation to walk into this earth. And we know that this Mary, if you look at the book of Luke, I love the book of Luke for this reason. You can hear interviews. If you read the book of Luke, Luke investigated the person of Jesus. So he went and he interviewed different people. And if you listen really closely, when you read the book of Luke, you can hear those interviews. And throughout the book of Luke, you can hear Mary's interview. He went and interviewed Mary from her perspective on how this went down. Isn't that cool? That's where you get really cool sayings like, she treasured these things up in her heart. That's a mother talking about and remembering what it was like in those moments when she found out. And so with with Mary, so she was greatly favored, being favored then, but for Mary, it came with some shame, some outward shame. There would have been people that looked at her like she was scandalous because she was pregnant. So she would have had to bear that, that shame, that potential. Even Joseph has a, has a crisis, and we're going to get into that. He has like a stepdad crisis initially, and we're going to look at that later. But there would have been the shame that she would have had to carry. See, she would have had to sit with an outward shame, and also upon that, the uncomfort of pregnancy. Would have felt alone, wouldn't have? Wouldn't have felt alone? In fact, as you think about, um, and again, as Luke is an interview, Mary's looking back after the, the resurrection, after the death on the cross. And as she's reminiscing in the book of Luke and thinking about what it was like, you can just think about this fact that she, she, she could look back and say, this was the best part and almost the most difficult part of my life. Because Jesus being born, that was the beginning of a lot of intensity for her in her life. If you think about Can you imagine watching your son die on the cross? She was there that day seeing him. So this pregnancy of anticipation, as she's reflecting on it, you can imagine she's probably also thinking that was one of the most painful moments of my life, to watch my son die a grueling death. At one point in his ministry, I don't know if uh, some of you remember this, but Jesus, when he's asked uh, about his mothers and his brothers and his sister, he says, who are my brothers and my mother and my sister? We always look at that and go, yes, that means he counts us all as brothers and sisters, right? But can you imagine as the close family, the actual brothers and mothers, uh, mother of Jesus thinking, oh man, I think he just said that we don't matter much, right? And so there would have been some, whoa, how many of you uh, think about some of the, the greatest moments and the hardest moments about life has been being a parent, 
some of the greatest moments of rejoicing. Well, Mary was in that. So I want to go back to that question. Why wouldn't God just enter existence with a bang? Well, we have Hebrews 4.15 tells us that we have an empathetic Savior. We have an empathetic Savior. Here's what that means in Hebrews 4.15. He faced all the same testings that we do. That's what the NLT phrases it, that he, he knows the same woes. He knows the same feelings. He was an infant. He was, he was born through pregnancy. His mother struggled with the same things of parenthood that all of us struggle with in parenthood. We have an empathetic Savior. Isn't it interesting that all of this came with the saying, Mary, you're favored of God. I think a lot of us, we don't quite like to think about it this way, but did you know that we are favored because we have heard and believed the gospel? If you're here today and you've heard the gospel and you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, did you know you're highly favored of God? Did you know that? Did you know that? Because many, uh, so you ever ask this question, why were you given proximity to the goodness of the gospel when others were not? You were favored. You are favored of God to hear this gospel and be a believer and a carrier of this gospel. God's favor is first about his glory then. As we think about then if we are favored, I think many of us wrestle with this idea of why do I exist today? Why do I live in such times as these? You ever ask that question? The digital age, when you look around at the level of depravity that continues to, to increase across the world, really, we just we continue to sin. We just get more efficient at it, it seems like, right? We get better at it. The digital age comes. You have massive, uh, ter- uh, a massive turn away from the Lord in the U.S., and you have teenagers struggling with depression and suicide and a lack of identity the amount of identity issues in today. Any of you ask like, man, why was I born in this time? Why do I exist? I've heard some, some young people tell me, man, if I would have been born in the 1800s, it would have been way simpler. I probably could have afforded a house back then. <laughs> That's what young people would say, right? But this idea that you were born today, you exist today as Mary for this moment, for this moment, Why do we live in such times? Because we are highly favored of God to be the carriers of the gospel, to be the carriers of the gospel and the recipients of the gospel. We are highly favored, but being favored isn't always what you think it is, is it? How many of you walk away or walk around um, when you're you're working at the schools or when you're at your jobs? I'm going to get this microphone. One of these days we're going to get along. Um, when you're, at, when, you're, when you're at work, how many of you walk around thinking, I'm favored of God? Or somebody asks you, how are you doing? You go, I'm favored of God. It's not always what we think it is, but man, it sure is true. Just as Mary was going to have to wrestle with this idea that she was favored for nine months. And she bore that child with anticipation with excitement, with trepidation, thinking, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to him? What is this going to be like raising, my, raising the Lord? Can you imagine trying to think about how you're going to discipline the Savior? Or maybe you're thinking, I, don't, I probably shouldn't have to discipline the Savior, but you're going to have to tell him not to you know, hurt himself because you know, he still was an infant. He still made mistakes. He still learned the way that a natural person learns. She was still going to be a mother and went through the same things. Um, so the other takeaway from this is that God assures us through others who have shared experience. If you notice, 
God doesn't really tell Mary to go to Elizabeth, does he? What's she do? All, all he does is report, Elizabeth, your older relative, is expecting. And what does she do? Mary's like, I'm hastening the day that I get to go and talk to her and see her because I'm still trying to digest what I just heard. She wanted to go and she wanted to see, and God, I think, knew this, so he puts that in the announcement. Why was it important that Mary knew about Elizabeth? Because Mary needed to know that she wasn't going through this alone, that there was a miraculous pregnancy alongside her. And so she hastens, she runs, and, and I, I read some things about the danger that she would have faced on the road getting to Elizabeth's. It was not an easy traveling distance, especially for a young pregnant woman. See, for us, what we can pull away from that is that God assures us through others who have shared experience. We sometimes need reassurance from others. This is why God gives us community. This is why a lot of our, uh, when, when we say you can't just do this whole Christian thing alone, like if you could just isolate, if you could just read the Bible and just have relationship with God and that, that would be all you need, um, I think a lot of us would be like, yes, awesome, I don't have to talk to people. Right? Those of you introverts are like, that's me. But you see here that God understands he's made us with his desire for community with others who are going through shared experience. And I think many of us, um, God knew that, that Mary was going to need encouragement from Elizabeth. There's obviously this, this reassurance that she needed from the community of the Lord. And many of us, as we think about Mary, we need the kind of assurance that comes from people who are going through regular life too, don't we? How many of you have had to seek out counsel? How many of you have needed a shoulder to cry on? How many of you have needed somebody to just be there, even if they don't know what to say? You just needed somebody sitting down next to you, right? And so here's, here's, Elizabeth, here's Elizabeth, and she shows up. Uh, so Mary shows up to Elizabeth and Zachariah's house, and we know that's miraculous in and of itself because she was an elderly woman who was barren. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that already just the story of Elizabeth does what for Mary? Probably encourages her in that pregnancy, doesn't it? See, we all share the everyday grind until something important. All of us, every, 100%, everybody raise your hand. All of us. Everybody, I'm gonna wait for those hands to all come up. There we go. All of us, all of us are in the everyday grind between something, aren't we? We're in this expectation. We're in between two things. Maybe it's we're in between grade school and graduation. Where's Caleb? Can I get an amen, right? We're like waiting for that graduation day. You remember being in the in-between um, important life events. We have we're in between birth, graduation, marriage, some of us are in between the divorce or uh, retirement or death and eternity. If you're retired, right, and it, like you're, you're in between, you're still in an in-between season of life before you go into eternity. See, all creation, we are in an in-between. We're in this uncomfortable moment of anticipation of something coming. Mary knew that feeling all too well, didn't she? And she needed somebody who knew that feeling as well. Brothers and sisters, this is why we need the church. I think of Romans 8.22, Romans 8.22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together. Everybody go, ah, in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves 
who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, uh, inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So even Paul uses this example of expectation, pregnant expectation for this restoration that comes. And you can imagine that as Mary and Elizabeth sit together and they share stories and they weep with each other and they try to ponder this miracle that's sitting within both of them. You can just sense this anticipation, this excitement, this expectation in the air. And then Elizabeth turns and what does she do? Elizabeth reminds her that it's a blessing. How many of you need a reminder sometimes that the things in your life are a blessing? Isn't that what good believers are there for? Like some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, this should be a blessing, but in my mind, in my heart right now, it is not a blessing, right? Um, I'm, I'm looking at for, I'm looking at going back into the diaper season in life. Okay. That's going to be a blessing. But in that moment, I'm going to need Becky to look at me and be like, just remember, (laughs) this is a privilege that we have this little girl with us. And so there's this sense that that Elizabeth turns and she reminds her uh, of what she can be thankful for. We need that, brothers and sisters, don't we? Can you do that for one another as a church? Can we do that with one another as a church? Remind each other that we're favored remind each other that sometimes I had a, a tough conversation with my father-in-law this last, uh, this last um, Thanksgiving. And we were kind of complaining a little bit about one or two things. And he looks at me and he goes, you shouldn't be complaining right now. He, one of those really direct, my father-in-law is a really direct guy. He says, you shouldn't be complaining right now. You should remember. And he just starts listing all of the many blessings. And I, it, it, like instantly when he was addressing me on that, I was like, oh man, you're right. But I was also like, my pride was super hurt. Anybody there? You're like, oh man, them's fighting words, but I can't find any way to fight because he's right. I need to be thankful here. Here, Elizabeth is reminding Mary that what she's carrying and the uncomfort that she's going through, the swollen ankles and the the things that are going to be going on in in her body, the things she's carrying, some of the shame that she may be carrying when other people look at her as as pregnant, really out of, uh, out of wedlock, it, it uh, is something that she was going to need reminding of continually. So that also I want you to see Mary runs to Elizabeth. How many of us need to run to somebody for encouragement? Instead of just sitting in that like woe, in that pain, and in that moment where you're like, this is frustrating. Some of you like to do that, don't you? Where you don't say anything to anybody about what you're going through. You try to quietly keep it to yourself. I want you to lean in real quick, okay? Stop it. Don't do this thing alone. Mary does the right thing by rushing to the encouragement that God put out for her in in Elizabeth. Run to that encouragement. It's okay, brothers and sisters, to need encouragement. You're not that tough. Stop trying to be that tough. Run to the encouragement like Mary See, God assures us through others who have shared experience. And God's faithfulness to others should encourage us. Historically, faithfulness to the saints. Um, How many of you like to read biographies and that kind of thing? Read about history. Any history buffs there? Right. It's immensely encouraging. Let me encourage you, if you haven't read uh, different biographies about saints in the past, how God has been faithful to these brothers and sisters, that's an encouragement, isn't it? 
I think the, 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 some of the reason we lack boldness and courage in today's context is because we forgot to look back at what God has done in the saints of the past. We've ignored what I think about guys like George Mueller. Anybody ever heard of the, the name George Mueller? A prayer warrior. He didn't ask for any financial thing, but he was able just through prayer and asking the Lord alone, provide for hundreds of orphans. Never asked, always miraculously, God would answer his prayer and there would be food that showed up for this orphanage. That is incredible faithfulness. That's why we want to read about guys like George Mueller, because they challenge our faith. God really can provide for us, church. He really can. He's faithful. He's done it with the saints throughout all history. I think about, uh, I, I had a really cool opportunity to sit down with several of the ladies of our church. I'm, I'm looking over at you, Norma. I'm looking at you, Janice. I'm looking at you, Carol. And, and they sit down once a month on a Monday, and they begin to look at how God has provided for our missionaries. And they began to look at, at all the different financial provision, but also miraculous provision over our missionaries, and they pray over them. What an awesome rejoicing time. Brothers and sisters, if you get an opportunity to go and sit in on this time with them, it's worth your moment to sit down with them on a Monday and I'm sure they would be glad to have you come, but they get to see the faithfulness of our God to our missionaries, and they pray for them once a month on a Monday. Norma, do you know, is there, is it a, what Monday of the month it is? Second Monday, and it's usually around noon-ish, 10.30, 10.30 a.m. So I just want to invite you, if you want to do this, if you want to seek out encouragement from saints in the past and, and, and seek out encouragement from saints on the missions field, Go and spend some time with these ladies as they pray for our missionaries, okay? So, uh, the last thing I'd like us to see in this passage that many of us are very comfortable with, we're used to, is that praise is the best use of the in-betweens. When we talk about we're all in between some life event, Mary was in between hearing about carrying the Lord and giving birth to him and then raising him. She was in an in-between and had to sit in the quietness of those nine months. The best use of that time, brothers and sisters, is praise. And we see that with Mary's Magnificat. Starting in verse 46, she begins to praise the Lord, doesn't she? She doesn't despair, but after receiving the encouragement from a friend, what does she do? She turns and begins to praise the Lord. See, we know that there are many in-betweens in Scripture. I always think about Israel um, when they were about to enter the promised land, they had to spend 40 years, 40 years and 11 square miles, didn't they? Did you guys know it was 11 square miles that they spent 40 years in? That was an in-between season. What's the best use of those in-between seasons? That's praise. And Mary jumps right into it, doesn't she? She starts, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She had received God's encouragement through uh, another person, and now she begins to praise. Brothers and sisters, if you're there and you're in that moment, let me encourage you to turn your heart to praise. If you're in an in-between, maybe it's in between two exciting things. Maybe you're in that anticipation stage of life. See, Mary understands that the bittersweet taste of favor is worth it. You see this change in her heart right here, don't you? You see this change. It's like she finally gets it. 
She finally understands that what, is going to, what she's going to be going through, she's not alone. God is going to provide for her. And now she understands its worth and she begins to praise. It's like an affirmation, a confirmation. Instead of being troubled like she first responded, right? Instead of being troubled or in woe, she responds with praise. She understands the big picture. I always think about, uh, when I think about understanding the big picture, I think about building with my father-in-law. He teaches me, many of our father-in-laws teach us lots of lessons. Amen, guys? Yes. They teach us lots of lessons. I was uh, building a house with my father-in-law, and I'll never forget, he left and he said, I want you to put up these concrete braces at the bottom in this uh, big, we were uh, building a, a foundation. And I had to put up braces, so we were going to pour concrete in these big foam um, blocks. And so we were getting ready. He leaves, and I set them all up, and I'm super proud. He comes back, and I'm like, I can't wait to show him what I've accomplished. And he takes one look at it, and he goes, yeah, we need to tear all of those down and redo them. And I was very much humiliated in that moment. But he began to explain to me, if we just go with these just a little slightly off like you have them, that whole foundation is going to be off. And this whole house is going to be leaning. Mary, your pregnancy is important to the entire world and what I'm doing. She gets it. She understood in this moment as she praises that understanding of the big picture of of her role in the history of mankind. She's understanding in this moment and she begins to praise. And I want you to see in her very genuine little song, she recognizes her lowly estate and our lowly estate. I, I get this heart from her that, that who am I that you gave yourself? Uh, so that translate for us, who am I that Jesus, you gave yourself up for me? Who am I, Lord, that you picked me to do this? Many of us, I think, get this wrong. When you see Mary's heart and her humility, we, and in history, the church has struggled with kind of worshiping Mary, Right? that she was more than just a woman or that she was, I think that's so contrary to what Mary prays here, isn't it? This understanding that she was a regular woman. How, Lord, how, Lord, could you use me? Brothers and sisters, she was regular. This should encourage us because you and I are regular human beings. As she prays with, praises the Lord with this kind of humility, it should remind us that we are highly favored, that we have a role to play in what God is doing across all of existence and in the lives of all people. We have a role to play in God's big, big picture. And her humility shows us that God uses regular, normal, 100% natural people. And she continues to remind us of that humility, that heart in verses 51 through 53. I think a lot of us try to think that the kingdom of God is going to be built through pride and through our know-how and through our achievement. But that's just not the case. That's not how God has worked. He uses the lowly. He uses a pregnant woman in this moment, not because she was special, but because he decided to favor her. So I want to leave us with this question, so what? What does that mean for us? Remember, brothers and sisters, that you are highly favored. Remember that if you're here today and you've heard the gospel, the gospel meaning that Jesus paid his life for you, and that by faith now you can be made right with God. 
All you got to do is trust and believe in Jesus. Call him Lord and, and you will now be made right with God. And you can look forward to life with him now and life with him in eternity forever. That's favor, isn't it? That's favor. I should hear some amens there. And seek out fellowship. Some of you, you're prone to isolate. Some of you need to do what Mary did and hasten your, your way to encouragement with the saints. Hasten your way to encouragement with the saints. And then worship in the in-between. How can we, like Mary, worship in the in-between? Those quiet moments in between big events in our life. We're now going to have a time of, of response and offering. But I want you to just maybe bow your heads, close your eyes. And would you spend some time just pondering and thinking about what is God doing with you now in this season? Maybe you're in an in-between season. What is God doing with you now? And could you let that lead to a prayer of praise? Just spend a quiet moment with the Lord, talking to him in light of this pregnant woman. Lord Jesus, we just praise you and thank you, God, that you have highly favored us. Lord, we thank you and pray that, that these small offerings, Lord, we know uh, in the grand scheme of things, Lord, it's just it's a little, but we know, God, that you take small things and do incredible things. And so, Lord, we just pray that we would be faithful uh, with your resources. We pray that we would be faithful as a church with our time, God, and with uh, our, our words. God, help us to be faithful at work and at school. Lord, we pray that you would help us to praise you in the in-between. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.